You're listening to BAU, Business as Unusual, the podcast that is shifting the way we think, interact and transact. Morning, Joe. Morning, Pat. How are you? Very well, thank you, mate. Not going as fast as you by the sounds of things. <laughs> no, no, a little bit of wind this morning out on the uh, out on the wild roads of Melbourne, for sure. So, uh, yeah, just driving up to the city. Yeah, nice one. It's, uh, it's Friday here. Um, and Joe's going fast up to the city, um, and it's windy, so we're having we're having a classic spring over here. And we we killed well, we didn't kill unicorn, but um, yeah, we we left off last week on on keeping your secret spot secret, uh, along with your little online communities that you're feeling part of. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, um, don't encourage them to grow. Um, mm. Less less is more, I guess. Is the uh, it's probably the key thing to uh, to keep in mind. Yeah, and that was around the. We sort of followed the the worm, or I've got this image in my head. I don't quite know what it is, but it's like that that innovation that follows us. Uh, what we've seen with <laughs> Facebook and and a lot of the online platforms that profess community, because that's where we started that whole conversation. Was like, you know, where's the social gone in media, and and so forth, so forth. And it seems to be that's what happens: is people gather and then that space gets sold. We don't really realise that it's up for sale, and then all of a sudden it is. Um, yeah, for for sure, and we're kind of. I think we're at the peak of that, aren't we? Really, like the the TikTok kind of outcome of that is it's gone really through. You know, social media probably could have remained social. You know, in terms of kind of conversation back and forth, sharing pictures, etc. You know, kind of building, keeping everyone connected. Um, but where it's actually kind of ended up, really, in the ultimate expression is that the actual person has become the product. Yeah. So in TikTok, it's kind of that you are the product, like you're dancing around to something that you believe is funny, cute, um, or kind of endearing. You are the product. You are the star of your own show. So it has become kind of fully Truman Show in that in that manner, so that kind of, you know, people are on the platform and looking at other people doing that, but then also doing it themselves. And I think that's kind of where, where we've headed. But none of that is about a two-way dialogue. It's about a one-way performance that is used by many and I think that's the end outcome for that and that's you know as we were talking about last week that's why community corns probably aren't going to be a thing it's really about keeping things small and you know in smaller groups which is more where conversation has moved between groups it's much more likely to be in a whatsapp group or in a messenger group around certain things than it is anywhere else yeah it is and um, I mean, yeah we, we were trying to get off of this but yeah that conversation <laughs> Just recapping there makes me think that yeah, there is a battle going right now for for owning those private group conversations because that's that's like a new strand of oil I think that um, let's say a meta or or someone else is trying to own so to speak because that is where the conversation that's where the insight sits now is around group dynamics and what that actually means and what it reveals and sort of groups are the product communities community commerce at its at its rarest there but it's. Uh, um, it reveals a lot. So there's there's, there's there's uprisings for like your Telegram, your Signal, a lot of different sort of encrypted group chats. But yeah, where where that lands is going to be fascinating. But regardless, the trend is, I suppose, people realize people realizing if they don't want to be the product, or I don't know. The, I still argue you are the product if you're chatting on there in a way. Um, yeah, you are. You're just going to be you're going to be advertised against as the as the product, right? So you get the free utility of being able to share photos, messenger services, and kind of, you know, have a network 
connected around you, but it, the price that you pay is uh, you're getting advertised again. So you're kind of you're able to be targeted, you know, and in TikTok, it's it's the same, but it's kind of that it's just a different dynamic as exactly. a as a play. And I think, but where it does lead us, I think, is you know, kind of out of that conversation is really around that people obviously disproportionately spend a lot of time on things like TikTok. So there are kind of two interesting stats that came out of last week. One is that the average time that is being spent on TikTok is now past, it's surpassing three plus hours um, for people daily. Um, bit, bit of an issue. Um, and then the, the second the second part is kind of what the um, the RBA, so the kind of uh, the peak kind of um, body here in Australia is really kind of um, um, sorting all this sort of stuff has come across is that, you know, what they're saying as well is that our productivity in Australia, um, you know, is at an all-time, well, it's not at an all-time low, but it's the lowest that it's been since, uh, um, I believe, kind of like almost coming out of the last true recession here in Australia in the 90s. Yeah, it is. And it's uh, it's been something that's plastered across. And like we thought off air, it would be great to chat through what productivity is and then like where the skews are to sort of to break that cycle and maybe speed up productivity and uh well uh, our our running joke is ai will solve this but we'll get past that, that tagline <laughs> but it feels a bit set up like that but um I, but when you get under the hood it isn't exactly like that so so productivity can you break it down for me because i'm i'm just trying to wrap my head around it i feel like you're a lot more across what the <laughs> yeah. what the maths is i was reading because we got philip law the, the the exiting now exiting governor yeah. um yeah. sort of break yeah, it down his, grand, his granddad throne speech didn't he, he kind yeah. of, um he took uh he took a couple of the shackles off in his uh in his farewell speech which i thought good on him like i think he's you know he's caught so much over the last uh last couple of years here in Australia, you know, really been kind of played as like the fall guy for the increase in, um, increase in kind of, you know, really uh, inflation and kind of interest rates to calm them as uh, he didn't see it coming. But, you know, equally, I think government, you know, poured, I don't know how many billions of dollars worth of extra stimulus into the economy. And uh, yeah, it doesn't take a genius or, um, you know, I slept through most of economics um, uh, in university, but it doesn't take it doesn't take a genius to figure out that uh, maybe that's what caused part of the problem. Um, but productivity, productivity as a as a as a concept is really about kind of how much you can actually get out of a unit of, of labor or a unit of capital. And what what is occurring is that that is we're getting less and less out of those those units. So what is happening is that there, we have a rising cost of labor. But traditionally, that if in a really well-functioning economy, what happens is that the more that labor is paid, the more productive it is. Whereas what we're going through at the moment is that labor is being paid more, um, but yet we're actually getting less out of it as a as a as a unit, if you imagine it that way. And the ramification of that for the economy is that what you tend to see is that it sets up this battle that, you know, is inherent in every capitalistic society, but it sets up a battle between labor and capital and the owners of that capital around kind of that for labor, it's, you know, it's broadly good um, in the short term and that you're getting paid more, but you actually broadly as a, as a unit, you're producing less. So you might be getting, you know, in a very simple example, you might be working at your local fast food restaurant and you're getting paid $2 an hour more, but you're doing exactly the same job. Right. And the and the fast food restaurant is selling no more food. So you're capturing a little bit more of the equation. But over time, what happens is that um, 
the economy itself becomes less productive, um, and therefore our cost of living and our living standards fall. Yeah, well done at summarizing that. <laughs> um, it, it's true, and it's from what I can gather anyway that that's the running the running take on what productivity is. It still fi- it still feels like it's an equation that can be summed up in different ways. Like I was trying to remember reading through. Philip's uh, statement last night where it, what was the equation it's like productivity equals inflation plus like what wage growth is at equals and what you get out of that is productivity and trying to manage the two because if if you have stagnation in and then inflation ra- rises then you're in a lot of trouble because people can't pay the bills like and that's a running argument at the moment that it's like well where does that actually how does that work? I think that's the rub at the moment with productivity in Australia. It's like, well, yeah, sure, that's the case, but it, the cost of living so high, how how can wages not be where they are now? Because a lot of people are struggling as as is when asset prices are so high um, and cost of living is high. So it's hard. And then the, the argument for that, like you say, is, well, you've got to pull it down. Or you put there, it's not your argument, that you've got to, you've got to hold that to account to be able to bring in a bit more cheddar. It's it's hard. And, and then, like, where does that lead us to? And where's the, I suppose, innovation points other than just hard economics around pulling and letting go around labor? Because it just feels like that setup feels so political to me. Because um, we have here in Australia labor and liberal, and that essentially means working class or, or business owners, really, when, yeah. you, when you boil it down. That's how it's sort of set up. And that argument around productivity, or not argument, but that sort of that that setup just feels like that's the way it's going to be skewed for a while. Like you can't, you, I don't hear Labor really talking about productivity that much. No, no, Is no, it? and it's obviously like with the um, with the stuff that's kind of coming through with the with the productivity commission as well. So. You know, like the the other way to kind of view it is that it's the way that the economy also functions, which is kind of the the bigger the bigger piece of the pie, right? I think it becomes relatively simplistic when you start to think, well, okay, well, yes, we've had rising costs of of labor, which makes sense in a high inflationary environment where you actually have you know full employment, basically, which is unusual um, to see that happen where you've got really quite low growth rates um, coming through the economy as a whole. But yet, labor itself is kind of—it's still—it's still a hot market. I reckon that's probably changed over the last um, three months because I mean it's a lagging indicator. The, mm. the kind of the, job, the jobless rate, I think, really that's that's changed. I think that has really changed in terms of where that's actually landing. So I think there'll be a bit of heat that's come out of the the economy. However, <clears throat> with productivity and with the productivity um, commissioner. Uh, Daniel Green coming in, I think really her agenda will be much more around kind of actually reforming some of our taxation. So, for example, moving tax to be towards consumption, which is more equal across the economy. So, you know, one of the things that um, she was very strong on in her time at the Grattan Institute was around moving the GST um, from 10% to 15%, which is what you what Canada's done, what um, the UK has done, etc. They have a slightly different way of um, nomenclature for it, um, you know, in terms of what they actually call it. But and that is a consumption tax. So I think trying to widen the tax base to include c- 
consumption is one thing that they'll try to do. And then the other issue is that kind of why are people's um, wages needing to rise so quickly is often it's about housing and it's about the housing bottleneck and affordability around all of that as well. So, you know, reforms around how we tax land, et cetera, are also likely to be things that are actually looked at over the next um, next four to five years if they really want to change the structure of our economy and actually enhance its productivity. Yeah, and I think that's getting down down to sort of the, the structural level of, of what's at hand. And can you see any sort of new layers that can be pulled? Like, can we try and think of something that, or is there space for something new? I've, well, listening to Philip or reading Philip yesterday was that there is a call to be innovative in government and policy, but the key alignment has to be between sort of economics and, and government policy and trying to, you know, step away from that two-party system that's there and, and, and using that because it's when it works best is when they, when they align. And one thing that I found super interesting was is like the challenge isn't new ideas, the challenge is cohesion and the challenge is getting everyone together to be able to agree on a path out or a, a path forward and and that has so much resonance where we sit now with with so many problems that we face now we're all very aware of we're, we're going through a changing climate we're going through a changing way we work we're going through a changing we'll name it we're going through it and without a clear vision and without alignment around that it's really hard to get through that you're just sort of down dancing around and i found it fascinating to just hear some of his reflection around what has helped him through I suppose very turbulent phase of of the economy as it's gone through his tenor there he's been there like what 42 years but at the at the head yeah. for, for seven and yeah. and it's interesting to hear what mechanisms at least he land leaves on the table to be like this is what's really helped and and one of those big ones was what was their target around two percent? I don't know enough, so I feel like I'm trying to talk too much to what I, what I'm just starting to try and get a grasp on. But at least I felt like those those pillars around where you come back to in turbulent times was was really great. But then cohesion is the big piece, and how do you yep. get that cohesion? And what how do you do that in 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 a democracy is such a a challenge. Exactly, Pat. And I think that's that's the thing to kind of like, you know, it's ultimately like a lot of this is, you know, it's theoretical at, at some level, but it's, you know, kind of it's to me, it's often about trusting your own instincts through it. And I think the point you raise there is the main point that, you know, I think Philip Lowe was really alluding to, which it's ultimately about fairness, right? Taxation is really about fairness, you know, and abilities to actually kind of work that through. And I think the the reforms that We've seen disproportionately, you know, at least in Australia and I think in a lot of countries, they favor capital over labor, if that makes sense. Like in terms of that as a as a working person, kind of, you know, really kind of gaining the majority of your income and therefore your wealth through your labor. Forget what you do for a second, but just use that as kind of the, um, you know, however you labor, whether that's about um, tra- training algorithms or, you know, digging ditches, it's irrelevant in this type of conversation. But trying to find ways to actually reform the system so that the taxation burden is spread more equally and in more innovative ways that actually help the economy prosper because our productivity in this country is declining for a lot of structural reasons, which is uh, it's just as much to do with housing as it is to do with anything else, if that makes sense, right? In terms of people who have, need to live further away, so therefore they spend more time commuting, so therefore we have more traffic, so therefore we have more bottlenecks. 
rather than kind of trying to find ways to actually, you know, if they reformed land or that they reform capital gains so that you kind of, you, you, or they re- inform, uh, I guess, kind of, you know, the way that tax deductions work on rental properties for investors. There's, there's different ways that they can actually kind of um, enhance the ability for the economy to be more productive for the unit of time that it's actually holding. And I think that's where the conversation will naturally start to head over the next three years, mm-hmm. because really what he made in his, the point that he made in his speech, which is that he said, forget kind of, you know, the fact that we've had five to six to eight percent inflation is that it's really the target range should be the thing that we're always thinking about, yeah. because that's what actually allows us all to, to remain in a fair, um, in a fair relationship with one another, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it, it does. And that's what I found fascinating was like the, he said that that target's been asked to be moved left and, and right of that. So below and higher. And, and it was a real swipe at saying that, well, that's, that's just uh, allowing, I suppose, political football to really come into the game there. And he used the euphemism that I think you and I can both uh, get around. And that is, that, you know, change the marker as the tide's going out and then change it as it's coming in. And you sort of get a bit of lost in, in the tides without realising yeah, without the peak and peak and trough which is yeah fascinating and then yeah productivity on assets i think we got productivity on labor but yeah you hit on something there around how we negative gear property here in australia and how it's how it's set up and yeah there's a there was some stats going around around uh, yeah how many houses are are sort of just sitting there um unutilized and that's hits productivity bang on the head they're not really being productive in a certain sense in in some senses they are because they're helping someone get um, get some cash, but in, in a utility sense, they're not. Um, but yeah, how to, how to get through that and, and I suppose what are the new ways ways to do that? I, f- I find it's fascinating because that's what we need in democracies right now is like a sign-off and to be able to push forward. It's just so hard to get through there because it's a political game around how do you get how do you get a leg up for the next election? Like how do we work through this as a democracy? I find fascinating um and challenging it's like how do you do that well and then how do you set the the groundwork and the and the uh policy to be able to you know exit and thrive it's it's a challenge but it's a worthy challenge and it's a challenge we're all at at the moment but it it was interesting to hear actually on top of all of that was the role media has to play and the business model that sits behind media at the moment and that is that is clicks and uh he he was sort of he had a nod to the town square and sort of saying you know how healthy that is at the moment and uh i suppose from his lens it's been pretty sick because he's been under the bus many 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 a time um but it's like how do you get a good conversation in there and how do you get nuance and how do you how do you sort of shed a light on on the real challenges that are there and i find that refreshing to read but yeah you have to really go straight to the source because what i've found fascinating about getting around sort of what the RBA is. I hardly knew what it was at the start of the year now, or before COVID and now it, everyone's really aware of it. But then if you don't go direct to the source of say that, you, you can start to read the, the brushes that get painted across it around the different news sites or commentators around how they skew those words, which is, is really fascinating around the agendas that sit behind it. But yeah, it is, I don't know, media health is, is, is something big there. Yeah, and I guess the, the the forum for debate and kind of actually shaping shaping policy and you know kind of coming back to you know the thread that goes through a lot of our conversations is that it's 
it's how informed the community is on these things, I think is really, really important. Mm. And I think someone like Philip Lowe, you know, he probably, he could have done lots of things in his, in his outgoing speech, but I think he really took a moment to probably stress the, the kind of the responsibility really of the citizen as well to, to understand and be able to actually kind of participate in these types of debates and help shape the country that we want to, that we want to live in, um, and be, and be a part of, but certainly, you know, when you kind of look at, um, where we're actually landing kind of coming out of out of COVID and kind of what's what's next. I think there there is a, a a need to to reform some of the ways that we actually kind of, you know, really kind of look at our economy and where particularly where our tax base and where our kind of and how we impl- uh, deploy our capital, because ultimately, a, you know, a less productive economy is really it's coming from two bottlenecks one is that um disproportionately more and more people spend more and more of their money on housing um because of lots of different reasons but broadly because there's not enough of it um so that's that's one um problem and then problem two is it's is also about kind of that the way that we actually tax weirdly has become ineffective because it's you know, it's creating asset bubbles and things like housing rather than maybe flattening that out and putting it across more things around consumption. So kind of, again, trying to take some of the the heat out of consumption by perhaps making it more expensive. So, you know, you add another 5% to everyone's airfares, um, you know, and it doesn't go into the pockets of Alan Joyce. It goes into the, <laughs> into the coffer, goes into the coffers in Canberra. Yeah. With, with the risk of sounding absolutely ridiculously stupid here, but wouldn't that, five percent on consumption does make more cash going to housing uh no because well i mean maybe like it's uh you know like this might be this at the risk of being dumb in answering <laughs> <laughs> i'll try <laughs> I'll try. I'll try. I'll, I'll fly um, in econ- economist. <laughs> economics. Yeah, yeah. Economist that's does a right, that's right. Yeah, said, said no, whatever. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, anyway. Uh, yeah, we're both we're both a little bit off our uh, our comfy patches here, but I it's I healthy. don't think so. Would be would be my answer. So. Okay what would go into all of that is obviously like all the costs and material, et cetera, would kind of go across. But I think what they would need to do is offset that. Right. So if they put it just 15% and leave every other lever as it is, then net net, all they've done is take 5% more and taxed it. But I think if they take 5% more in consumption and let's say they get rid of uh, stamp duty and let's say they get rid of um, kind of land tax and let's say they reform planning law so that, there's basically there's really clear zones where we're going to encourage development where mm. you know, infrastructure yeah. already exists and that becomes the reform and that's the trade out then you can kind of see how that works right because if that five percent went to the states right based on population because obviously the moment gst is collected nationally and distributed mm. based on population and probably which way your populist votes at some level um but let's say they took that five percent and said that all goes to the provinces i'm sorry the uh, states um, mm-hmm. in canada they just they do it by sending it to the provinces mm-hmm. but in but they might follow the same thing here where they go well that money is carved out goes to the states but then therefore the states would have to give something up in their taxation as well right so that could be giving up the ability to tax land or on transfer so that you kind of, you know, or kind of doing things that way. So you're getting some of the disincentives to flip pro- um, um, property out and you're making property less expensive by doing that. 
in terms of moving property. Yeah. Yeah, but also the cost of the carry cost of property, right? So yeah. that could be the trade out is like for land tax reform, let's say. Um, the exchanges is that the states get 5% of mm. a new uh, GST. Mm-hmm. Like something to that manner would be, I think, a pretty positive reform. Yeah, <clears throat> that's interesting to hear. But it, it, it's still part of me goes in Australia, that'll just make housing more, more. Exy, but I, I could be reading that completely could, wrong. I'm not, yeah, again, again, it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of blind leading blind. Yeah. Like, but it's, but I, I think, think it's healthy. I think if, if we're open, let these conversations need to happen because I think too much of it slips through and it's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And you just, as someone who's too often consuming things, you were just always stimulated. We don't actually stop, stop the scroll and go, hang on, what? What does that actually mean, and what does that? How do you like? Even if it's the blind leading the blind, you you interrogate it a bit, and you know a little bit more, which is yeah, a healthy a healthy outcome. If it's stated at the start, that's what's happening. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. But there's you know, there's obviously things. There's lots of things that go with that, and kind of come into that. So I think as a as a kind of way way through it all, there's there's stuff to to kind of unpick, but the trajectory of the economy to kind of get there has to be about finding ways to make things more efficient so that we actually start to enhance our productivity. I think that's really where the conversation is starting to to shift because, you know, our taxation as well over, over time in terms of like our national prosperity is still disproportionately um, underpinned by how well we dig stuff out of the ground and how much of that is actually purchased by places like China and places like India um, to kind of build their economy. So we're always going to have that, um, you know, for the next foreseeable future as uh, it could kill us all. But um, it's still a, it's still a tailwind um, that perhaps ends up making everything windier. Boom, boom. Um, but it's still, <laughs> it's a ta- it's a it's a tailwind in the economy that um always is going to be there for australia is that like our resources and our ability to be the most efficient miner in the world like we are incredibly good at that is going to underpin how we actually can bring money into the economy to support ourselves the issue is is that the rest the delivery of that money to enhance our lives is becoming harder and harder because of the productivity bottlenecks right around you know where we live how we get to work kind of you know how land is ultimately kind of divvied up etc and you know there's there's the kind of the other aspect to this is that as an economy it's also thinking about the size of country we're actually going to be um and how that actually gets spread across a little bit more geography. But there's there's lots in that that, you know, we'll probably spend another conversation unpacking. But I think at a, at a top level, productivity is, you know, the, the main headline is that it's at its lowest point, but um, in a long time here. And typically in moments like that is when the government acts to reform the way that the economic system actually works. Mm-hmm. Well, it's prime time. Yeah, let's pick up that combo. Again, it sounds like you're out on the windy uh, highways of Melbourne and, and, you've, <laughs> yeah. and you've beaten the bottlenecks that will be. <laughs> I pulled in and, uh, yeah, I'm out of, out of the wind. That was uh, definitely an intense drive up, so, yeah, well, but an did, enjoyable conversation. You did well to be the flying economist um, <laughs> for, for BAU <laughs> on your windy drive, mate. So kudos to you. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. It's um, all good. And, yeah, I hope some people got a, got a bit out of that. Uh, it's a conversation that's worth having at least, uh, in, in my opinion. Um, um, and yeah, let's let's dig into it a little bit more around what's yeah, and then how you know like maybe we we'll also talk about some of the like the technology initiatives exactly. and kind of stuff that 
and the reforms. I think it also would be worth talking about things, the other things they're talking about, about universal childcare and things like that. So that would be um, that'd be interesting to chat about as yeah, well. Yeah, like that. define what productivity is, I think, is, is further around when you're talking about childcare and you're talking about, you know, raising the next generations and everything like that. There's some fascinating ones, tech as well. Um, yeah. yeah, and... I suppose what that actually means is cost of money. How do you actually use capital other than just sit on it? It's yeah. Let's dive into it. Okay, mate. Sounds good. Till then. All right. Thank you for listening to BAU Business as Unusual. Subscribe and learn more at baupod.co. That's baupod.co.